Welcome to the Institute of Barristers Clark's podcast, the podcast that provides an insight into the Clarking world. It is an opportunity for members old and new to share with you all their wonderful knowledge and insights of Clarking and how it has evolved since the Institute formed 100 years ago. My name is Stephen Wright and I'm the Senior Clark at 7BR and today I will be joined by Jeff Carr. Jeff started his career as a junior clerk at 10 Old Square in 1984, became a first junior at 7 New Square for four years and then on to one Sergeant's Inn until 1999 when he became senior clerk at 14 for 16 years. In 2016 he moved to number five chambers to head up their London office in his current role. Jeff is the current chair of the Institute of Barrister Clerk and has the pleasure of seeing us through its 100th year. Jeff, welcome. Thank you, Stephen. So being our esteemed leader of the <laughs> IBC, mm. what does what is the IBC for our members that you know don't really have the day-to-day insight of what you actually do? Okay. Um, so the Institute of Barristers Clerks um, was founded in 1922. Um, the mission of it then was to um, basically assist and drive forward barristers' clerks um, in relation to primarily court listings and also um, just helping other senior clerks in in the legal world then. Uh, Now it's morphed into a complete different beast, um, as has the whole of the legal profession. The Institute now covers a multitude of roles and functions. The first and most important is that it's there for members, barristers, clerks. So what does that mean? Uh, It means effectively that we have an armory, a wealth of uh, groups, subgroups and uh, clerks who can assist on numerous, numerous issues, mentoring, quality and diversity, uh, remuneration, etiquette and discipline, etc. But it's also morphed into something that the Bar Council and the Bar Standards Board now use to ensure that training is being pushed across all chambers. So it's it's developed from something which was a bit of a a group of individuals just assisting each other on a very informal basis back in 1922 to a recognised um, organisation which covers lots and lots of different issues and criteria that crops up you know in the legal world you mentioned there how it's evolved over the last hundred years and sort of been involved more in sort of in relation with the bsb i know sort of firsthand um with the bar council as well and the training it gives but how important do you think that is for clerks to be involved with those organizations well, with the Bar Council and the, and the um, Bar Standards Board, if we just take the Bar Council for sake of example, we have now got members uh, of the Institute who are on every single Bar Council committee. So it's recognised by the Bar Council that they have to have clerks, practice managers on those committees. It's critical that we are on those committees. The committees are remuneration, quality and diversity, ethics. I mean, there's, there's loads. You just need to go onto the Bar Council website to have a look at them all. It's critical that we as clerks who are running the business know effectively what is coming down the tunnel, uh, what other clerks are going to have to have on the radar moving forward. So that deals with the Bar Council. The Bar Standards Board, which basically regulates us, 
it's important that we're involved in that because if we take a recent example such as the um, competitions marketing authority and transparency that was critical to us for public access work where the uh, bsb wanted us to effectively uh, refine and hone down our website so that we could show pricing policies so there's two clear adjuncts between the bar council and the bsb one regulates one manages and it's critical that we as clerks have representatives on those so that we can push it out via our newsletter or our website, issues which are coming up or address questions which are put to us. Can I ask, what does, you know, being, you've been chair since, was it March, April this year, I believe? Uh, March, yeah. And you've been involved with the IBC for a number of years. What what does the IBC mean to you? Uh, it means a lot to me. I've been clerking for 39 years now. So I'm getting to the stage where I'd like to be seen to be putting something back into the profession. If you think about it carefully, what other body is there that clerks can go to and refer to that assists them? We've got the mentoring scheme, for sake of example, which is run by Lucy Burrows and the management committee. That's a brilliant example, I think, of um, how we can assist clerks going forward. And I'm a, I'm a great proponent of the mentoring scheme. I think that actually it's not used enough by the membership. But um, so what does the IBC mean to me? It's, it's something that clerks can um, easily refer to if they've got any issue and they feel that they can't address it within chambers or there is an issue where they need guidance and they're not sure exactly where chambers should go policy-wise or procedure-wise, administrationally. And I suppose that's because there's like-minded people with, you know, people like yourself with, you know, I hate to say it, someone that's been in the job, you know, nearly as long as I've been on this world. So <laughs> don't take <laughs> that, that the wrong way. Um, so, yeah, and, 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 you know, with, in relation to sort of, you know, Lucy and the mentoring scheme, we're going to follow up with a, you know, a following podcast in relation to that. Yeah. Um, but just going back, you know, you've been, in, like you say, um, chair for most majority part of this year. What has been the most challenging aspects of the role? Without a shadow of a doubt, we're coming out of um, COVID and dealing with issues which arose post-COVID in relation to how Chambers runs, is managed. Flexible working was a big issue where I was getting approached by lots of heads of Chambers and Mancom in relation to guidance as to how their Chambers could look at dealing with clerking teams and the best ways forward. I also didn't expect the amount of work with regard to the current uh, action that the criminal bar is taking at the moment. That is uh, taking up a huge amount of my time, which I wasn't expecting. And um, obviously, because I've got history in relation to the IBC, I knew uh, what the role involved. But I think with come post-pandemic issues within chambers, then you've got this action with the criminal bar. It's just culminated into taking up a huge swathe of time that I wasn't expecting it to take. I assume it's, you know, part of the, the role and the job, really, is that it, it's an evolving beast that, you know, one moment you're doing, it's, it's, a, it's a bit like being a clerk, isn't it? Or a practice manager or whatever we like to be called these days. It's, a, it's, it's an evolving thing where, you know, and, th and this is probably one of the reasons why I, I enjoy this job so much, mm. is that each day is different. And yeah. I can imagine being IBC of the chair, you're sort of thrown into sort of different angles, which gives you 
opportunities to do things that you probably haven't done before. Absolutely. Every day is a school day. But that's the same, you know, in chambers, all I've really done is doubled it by being, you know, in the chair. You've just got to be able to find the time and you've also got to have um, the support of chambers as a whole to be able to do it because uh, during the initial transition from going into chair, it really took up best part of 10 to 15 hours a week of my time. It's now slightly less because I'm, I, I also, you see, I never clapped uh, crime. I, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. So the learning curve I had there was literally 90 degrees. I didn't understand anything. And Joe Sidhu and Michelle QC and uh, Michelle Healy QC very kindly sat me down and you know, took me through, you know, a lot of the issues that there were and took me through the, the mechanics of it all, which made me sort of like a fundamental understanding. But then, you know, when you start getting the phone calls then from the clerks who don't really know what to do and they've been in the job for a lot longer than you know i've been in a job and i'm sort of sitting there thinking mm, okay that's when you have to sort of like just listen take some time out and just think things through that's that's quite uh, challenging yeah no i can appreciate that and obviously you know you, you've talked about the most challenging aspects of the role but what's the most enjoyable there must be occasions where you sort of think you know that's worthwhile yeah i, I think um well, that's a really tricky one to answer, but I, I think I find every, <laughs> I find most days enjoyable uh, doing most things. Like tomorrow, for example, I've got a we've got a management committee uh, meeting. Uh, I enjoy chairing those. I enjoy, I enjoy sort of like you know seeing other senior clerks, practice managers in other sets, and basically you know chewing the fat in relation to issues which are cropping up. I think it's also nice to be recognised by some of the younger clerks as well, because in in my role as senior clerk you know, at number five, you tend to sort of like just sit in your ivory tower out of the way. And what is nice is when you're walking around the street, you get these, you know, young junior clerks come up and say, well, hello, Jeff, how are you? And it, that's actually quite humbling, actually. It's actually one of the best parts of the job, I find. Passing on your wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I ask, so, you know, the role as it is, 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 a, is you know, it's, a, it's I want to say, it's a big gig isn't it, to be the chair of the IBC, the Institute of Barristers Clark. So why did why did you take it on? So um, I was education secretary for seven years, um, which I really enjoyed. It, it, it took on, uh, took a lot of time up because obviously, as you can imagine, I think that's one of, the, one of the busiest positions you can be in other than being in the chair of the IBC. Um, I found that uh, I was feeding into the institute more and more information as i was progressing in my career and um it became it became not obsessing but it was it, it just became something which i i really wanted to feed information into so it's taken up more and more time quite naturally so that i could get information out to members who wouldn't have that information when i was talking to lucy barber the previous chair about it who was absolutely fantastic and is absolutely fantastic she was absolutely wonderful i was worried about the amount of time it was going to take but the support which i receive through the exec and through the management committee is just simply exemplary i cannot tell you the amount of work that the management committee do for the institute as a whole it's something i think which goes wholly unrecognized it just makes the role that bit easier. So I don't know if I've actually answered your question, really, but it's it's something which I, I just felt that um, I could do it. I had the support of Chambers to do it, and I wanted to do it. Did I answer no, the question there? No, I mean, you, you, you answered that question. Um, 
I suppose my question, my next question to you is that um, who is your favourite person in the committee that you work with? Oh, I'm not going to say that. Not a chance. No <laughs> way am I answering that one. Look, they I are all fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, it's got to be my international uh, committee member, I think, actually. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> that is completely no, the right answer. It's, <laughs> it's an impossible question to answer that because effectively, if you think about it, you, you've, there were so many committees on, you know, on the management committee. Each you know, Clark has, has then got their subgroup within that committee. All of them are going above and beyond. If I, okay, hand on heart, if I suppose I had an, a real issue, I suppose the exec would be uh, sort of like, you know, the people I would go to, but that's more out of a case of self-preservation more than anything in knowing that I was actually saying the right thing. Jeff, before um, you say and a name, also my own I'm going to stop you there. Jeff, before you say yep. a name, I'm going to stop you there because I don't want to drop you in any trouble at all. It was literally a, a, an off-the-cuff no. remark. So please don't, don't <laughs> go any further. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Because um, yeah, that, that could get me into a lot of trouble, that one. So you mentioned, obviously, you know, we've we've just come through the pandemic. Um, um, how do you – and, you know, we're, we're our 100th year this year of the IBC, the Institute of Paris Club. How do you see it evolving over the, say, the next five, ten – 20 years or so well um that's a very very tricky one to answer because um what i'm noticing more and more now is that clerks are leaving the traditional profession and are morphing and migrating into other uh, legal professions what do i mean by that so you've got financial services where they are now recognizing the powers of the clerk and the contacts they've got You've actually got solicitors' offices now employing senior clerks to represent them in house advocates. You've got all sorts of third-party companies now that are keen to, um, you know, financial you know, financial services, for example, where they're keen to utilise the contacts of senior clerks. So that is a very, very tricky question to answer. I don't think you will see. Um, cohesion between solicitors and barristers. I don't think you'll see a unified profession. What I do think you'll see is more of a migration towards bigger sets. Mm. Uh, and I think that's just pure, that's simply along the, 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 the logic of um, economies of scale. Um, my clerking career has been boutique sets. So practically, you know, until I joined number five, I don't think I ever clerked more than, say, 40 to 50 barristers. And number five, it's in the best part of 300. But it's the profession is definitely going to change. It is changing. I don't think the courts actually know what they're doing at the moment in relation to uh, virtual hearings, etc. I mean, I sit on lots of committees where HMCTS are looking at court stock. They don't know what to do because they, you know, they've got a lot of courts which are empty at the moment. Um, being slightly political here, um, I know that um, the upper echelons of the judicial system uh, are trying to get as many hearings actually in court as they possibly can. But the economic realities of that means that you're saying to some barristers, well, sorry, you can't do two or three hearings on Monday. Instead of that, you've got to do one. So I'm not sure where that is going to go for the future. So whether you know whether it's going to be 
is going to continue as sort of like the wishy-washy hybrid system that we've got at the moment. I think it will, I think it will become more and more in person as time progresses. And the smaller hearings will definitely remain online. But fusion of the profession, I can't see that purely because of the nature of the bar and the personalities yeah. you've got at the bar and the way that chambers are set up. Um, if somebody was to come along, uh, you know, and basically present a business model where you don't, you know, necessarily have the um, to have to, you know, move away from the politics that's in each and every set of chambers, then it might work. But I think as clerks, we all know that barristers, you know, are in the profession because they want to be their own entities. They all want to be self-employed. Um, they don't want to be a number within um, a set of solicitors. So it's a tricky one. And then when you come in relation to the clerking profession, what I'm noticing, obviously, and I think, again, this is just market forces, is the junior clerks that are coming in now are primarily university graduates. But that's because of the world that we're in. Um, I think it's, um, they're certainly earning, you know, the London living wage, which is a bit different than when I started, you know, clerking back in 1984, I took home 30 quid a week and all this sort of stuff. But it's it's a much more thought through, structured and uh, a professional place for administrators to work in now than it was when I first started. Yeah, no, thank you. That's a bit of an awfully answer to that question, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's an amoeba. It's you you just can't you know you can't give a definitive answer to that. So I've been. This is my third set of chambers I've worked at, and I've seen you've worked at four over your um, short your career. career. Yeah. yeah, your short career. We can say that short career. Yeah. Um, who 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 is can you name sort of you know one or two people that have really sort of you know made a mark on you and sort of thought in, and you've looked up to to sort of in in your clerking career and and sort of taken on board what they've said yeah i mean i've seen so many senior clerks in in 38 years of clerking um I mean, of course, you know, your own senior clerks within your sets of chambers. So I started off at Tenant Square. That was Frank Wright. Uh, he started me off in Chancery, which is now obviously Business Commercial, uh, then went to 70 Square, which was Chris Watts. Um, he sort of, you know, took me through the trials and tribulations at the first junior level in relation to clerking. But I think the people that I most admire um, has got to be the ex-chairs of the IBC because they've gone through and go through the role of running businesses as well as giving, you know, back to the Institute as it were, which is a big ask. Um, specific individuals. I mean, there was, um, you got Bill King, who was at Sergeant's Inn. He taught me a lot in relation to planning law. And actually I know this sounds corny, but uh, I think Tony McDade as well. I mean, he's got, he's got an acute, business sense and he's actually taught me a lot so i mean I've, you know i've been at uh, number five for six years and you know every day's a school day on that sort of stuff so it's it's a tricky one to answer that i mean weirdly i mean i actually was talking to um bill connor about this the other day i was when i was a junior club at 10 old square um i used to just basically push the trolley and then one morning in, in stone buildings uh, there was this old chap with a walking stick and i used to just get talking to him didn't know who he was just spoke to him every single day met him same time every morning after about a year frank wright my senior clerk clocked that i was speaking to this chap i came back with some papers from court and frank took me into another room he said 
Jeff, how long have you been speaking to that chap? And I said, well, about a year. He's a very good, good friend. And he said, well, I didn't know that you knew, knew Lord Denny. And that was <laughs> Lord Denny. So it just goes to show you, you know, you just, <laughs> you, you know, it's, just, it's a strange world, isn't it, really? Yeah, no, it is. I love the fact you dropped in your um, Tony there for yeah, your, you know, next round, <laughs> pay rise, bonus coming your way. Very smooth, very clever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to finish off. So I've asked um, the IBC members to put forward some questions to uh, my guests that we have on this podcast. And there's various ones that I've been put forward, but this one I'm going I'm to I'm going to put to you. So if you had a dinner party, which three guests, living or uh, living or dead, would you invite and why? Lady Howe. I think she's absolutely uh, probably one of the best um, uh, judges I've ever come across in my entire life. Um, she's gone through so much, and I've got just ultimate respect for her. Um, Paul Shrussell, uh, in respect of, I think he's probably one of the, you know, he's one of the most recognised senior clerks uh, in the profession now, obviously retired, living in Florida, did very well for himself. Third guest, uh, I'll probably bow to what, whoever my wife would like. To, to attend on uh, that basis and then I'll, well, I'll your, your wife doesn't have to be there you know oh, okay uh, it can be someone famous it can be well do you know what uh, nelson mandela now why why do i say that is because um when one of my silks a long long time ago took silk i was sitting next to him in westminster uh, when he was given um Henri causa and he really? was the nicest man i've ever met in my entire life and to my shame, I didn't really fully understand at that time what he had gone through and who he was. So I would definitely have him back. But it's my one claim to fame that I actually sat next to him and spoke to him as a window. That's incredible. There you go. Incredible. There you go. Well, Jeff, I want to say thank you for uh, joining me today um, and giving some helpful information of, of what the Institute of Barrister Clark uh, means to you and how it's evolved and you know what it can do for its members so thank you appreciate that thank you very much thank you for listening to the ibc podcast join us next time for more insights into the world of clerking and remember to share the podcast with anyone else you think may be interested <laughs>